Hello, people of ours. It's Sunday. You're listening to FabRadioInternational.com and you're listening to The Bookworm. Uh, I'm your host, Ed Fortune, and I'm here with... Nymphahise. So, hello, everybody. So, um... This is a pre-record, so you're listening to us from, from a realm far and far away, probably. Well, to be quite honest, we're <laughs> probably hurtling down the motorway at some point. Pretty much, yeah. Because where are we going, Edward? Well... We could be going to a number of interesting places, but we'll be coming back with a large box filled with interviews and other conversations. He said hopefully, because none of this has happened yet, so we're speculating <laughs> in the future. Yay. So so hopefully this pre-record will come to you sometime around the time where we'll be heading off to Edgelet in Derby. Yes, and um, we'll, we'll talk very quickly about Edgelet in a moment, just coming up after that. So yes, so where we should have been by the time you listen to this, we should have been to Edgelet. Yay! Um, Exciting. For, the, for those of you who don't know it, it's a one-day festival in Derby. You can find out about it by going on to well, search Google googling Edgelet free. It's uh, also on. They have a page on Facebook as well, um, where you can find the details on on how to get your tickets and um, who the guests will be and all the exciting things. There'll be workshops. There'll be talks. There'll be books. There'll be loads of books. There'll be loads and loads of books. It's a book party, is Yay. the best way to describe it. It's a bit of a... This is an interesting thing, actually, because it's a bit of a uh, industry party. Mm-hmm. Specifically, it's a genre industry party. It's open to everyone. Anyone can turn up. Anyone can turn up and go to the various lectures and talk to various people and go to the various workshops. That's what it's for. Um, but at the same time, because of where it is, when it is, and all the rest of it, it's kind of a, a little bit of a dry run for things like uh, Fantasy Con. Nine worlds, that sort of thing, the slightly larger, you know, mm-hmm. book inspired yes. things that are going on. So you tend to basically, if you are in getting into fantasy, sci-fi, and horror book reading, and you're really into that, and you're getting into it, then Edgelet is a good place to warm up. Yay. Also, if you're getting in, obviously, don't turn up with a manuscript, but if you're getting into trying to be published. It's, there will be a, a, a fair amount of people from the industry there that you can have a chat with. You know, be, be respectful. Don't absolutely. Try and, don't try and <laughs> don't approach words. someone and go, "Hi, here's my body of script," because that will never work. It is. I, I've had this happen to me, and I'm, oh, I'm, I'm just a humble journalist, and people will, will quite cheerfully try and hit you with a <laughs> with a 500 page manuscript that they think it is, it's, weird. it's okay Pe- to do it. People that you haven't talked to in like a decade will come up to you and say, "Oh, I understand. Can you can you get me published?" No. No. <laughs> Do you know who's someone who can? Yes, but no. Um, <laughs> it's not being mean, but it is an industry where people tend to be, I wouldn't say maybe disrespectful, but, but ignore some of the most polite ways of approaching you. I think it's because people, this is weird perception that you have to be pushy to get in. No. Whereas the thing that you need to get in is you have to be good. 
uh, and you have to do everything you can to make sure that you are good. And if you are good, then you stand a better chance. It's not a guarantee, but you stand a better chance of getting in. Mm-hmm. But um, yes, so it's, it's it's a dry run for various various fantasy cons. Talking of fantasy cons, uh, the the British Fantasy Awards, uh, the nominees are up. Yay. Right, we'll very quickly, 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 quickly run through those. Um, so, best fantasy, uh, the British Fantasy Awards are held at FantasyCon, uh, which is in York this year, uh, around about Ooh, September. Um, uh, the British Fantasy Awards, uh, basically the BF, BFSA, um, uh, give out these awards. It's another award ceremony. Yay! Uh, you might have noticed from our news pieces, we talk about this a lot, especially during pre records because they don't change. <laughs> <laughs> So, uh, the nominees for Best Fantasy Novel are Between Two Thorns by Emma Newman, which we liked. Blood and Feathers Rebellion by Lou Morgan, which we liked in a carry-on-my-wayward-son sort of way. It's mm-hmm. very supernatural. I love it. Uh, the Glass Republic. Yay! Tom Pollock. Yay! Um, if you've not read The Glass Republic, if you've, actually, if you've not read The City's Son, then, then what are you doing? When this show finishes... <laughs> go and pick it up. Go and pick it up. Available um, at your major retailers. Yeah, it's a it's a Joel Fletcher uh, books. Um, this this thing by this obscure guy called Neil Gaiman. Um, um, is it a newcomer? I've never heard. I think, of I think he is a newcomer. Uh, the Ocean at the End of the Lane is is the one that's up. Surprising, surprising. It's the Ocean <laughs> at the End of the Lane. Um, we love you, Neil. And, and you know, not not the one about the milk. Anyway, I, I like the one about the milk, but still. Uh, uh, a Stranger in Ollalandria by Sophia Samata, a small beer press, uh, which I've not read. But I do like small PS stuff. Uh, best horror novel. Uh, we're going to run out of time, aren't we? Uh, okay, so best horror novel. House of Small Shadows by Adam Neville. Me. <laughs> Mayhem by Sarah Pindrow, which we reviewed a little bit. Did we review Mayhem? I'm pretty sure we did. I but love we've, Mayhem. We've had Sarah Pindrow around. And oh, she's yeah. She's absolutely lovely. She's great. Um, no S4R2 by Joe Hill and Collins. Uh that's also available in audio by the way it's beautiful absolutely beautiful Path of Needles by Alison Littlewood Shannon Girls by, by Lauren Burks uh, sorry Lauren, Lauren Bukes Lauren Bukes uh, the Shannon Girls um, and The Other Ladybird by Graham Joyce so yeah I think if you want to know more just uh, either google it up for ease but it's the British um, Fantasy Awards. There's a whole load of people on these, but we'll not bore you with the rest of it. But um, names that you recognise, Adrian Tchaikovsky's on there as well. He's coming on the show soon, actually. Yay! Um, Wow, uh, it, it's it's a really really good list. Of it's going to be really a tough choice, but but that also means that whatever they choose is hopefully going to be amazing. Oh, Fox Spirit Books up for best small press, but they're up against New Contrast with Ian Waits. Ah! <laughs> Controversy. Controversy, and and, and Spectral Press Simon Marshall Jones, who is lovely, but unfortunately we interviewed him for the show, and the um, the recording didn't work. Boo. Um, so uh, coming up next, I'm going to talk about. Flash Gordon. Flash. Ooh, ooh. No, seriously, I'm going to talk about Flash Gordon. So, um, if you are a child of the 80s, which I am... Yes, so am I. Then you might remember a TV show called Defenders. Defenders of the Earth. Defenders. Mm-hmm. Um... And it featured Flash Garden. Flash! Oh. Ah. We love it. Who is a, um, a pilot uh, football star dude who, who fights um, Ming from Mongo. 
uh, he fights aliens basically he punches aliens in the face for for, for great justice and it also featured Mandrake the Magician who oh, is yes. a guy who fights using illusion and he fights crime as well mm-hmm. and uh, in addition we had what the others uh, we had Lofar, who is a, a huge kind of hunter guy. We mm-hmm. had the Phantom, who is a ninja guy. Mm-hmm. Um, it was so very eighties-tastic cool. and cool. Very eighties-tastic. So a little while ago, Dynamite got the license to this selection of, of characters. Yeah, I, I used to love Mandrake. Love him. Well, well, you're in for a treat because what they've done is they've produced a comic book called King's Watch, and it's out on trade paperback. It's coming out on trade paperback very soon. Ooh. And the thing about King's Watch is it's a reboot of the, it's Defenders of the Earth, but they can't use the name Defenders of the Earth for, for whatever reason. But probably it's a, some copyright. Some, thing. Something to do with copyright. I have no idea. I'm not going to speculate. It. But what they've done is they they've got Flash Gordon, Flash Gordon, and. Zarkov. <gasps> I love Zarkov. The, the the plot is the plot starts off with Zarkov and Flash Gordon um, working on a space plane, which is a fantastic space plane. Um, and then, as predictable as predictable, they find themselves going into space, and there's this weird rift, and rift, and everyone's having weird dreams. Meanwhile, there's an evil man called Cobra, and he's got weird magic powers. And all sorts of weirdness is starting to happen. Monsters are appearing in certain parts of Africa. Monsters are appearing in certain parts of New York. Weird worldwide global phenomena causing people to have strange dreams. Mm, dreams. It's, it's almost as if something from another world is trying to get in touch nah. with mankind. <laughs> what would that something be from another world? Well, you'll have to read King's Watch to find out. It's Ming. It's Ming. It's totally <laughs> Ming. It's like on the cover. It's totally Ming. Um, we don't do spoilers, but it's on the cover. <laughs> it's Flash Gordon. Awesome. Um, so it's just yeah, some some things. Your, your critical facilities are, are removed simply because the small gurgly child is being inside you is being fed sweeties. <laughs> I, I, you know, I like that image. I, I occasionally, you know, I occasionally like to feed my inner child a little bit too many sweeties, but this is just. But it, the world is like Candyland. It's just, it's just darling. You know, it's just ah. Oh, King's Watch is really, really good fun. It's well paced. It's clever. The artwork is. I'm entirely honest, the artwork is standard American comic book artwork. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not going to stun you or amaze you. But it's suited to the story, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, the characters are balanced. The you know the supporting cast is appropriately lovely. So is Flash still a damn big dog? Uh, Fla- Flash is, in this, he's he's closer to the original Flash Gordon. So he's... Um, He's a export. He's he's a jock. He's an export star. Uh, his daddy's a millionaire. He was born with a silver spoon in his mouth, um, but he's you know he's 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 a good guy. Yeah. Um, he's an all American hero. And and Zarkov is a complete <laughs> Zarkov. Um, for those for those of you who are and you know not an, a child of the eighties or you know never been interested in Flash Gordon, never seen the fantabulous movie with the Queen soundtrack, who is Zarkov? Zarkov is <laughs> I want to say he's Topol, but that's not that doesn't help me. He's he's a crazy guy with crazy. He's Alan Moore of science. And stuff, <laughs> he's, a, he's a crazy crazy guy. Um, 
with Crazy Crazy Beard, who has been kicked out of every single scientific establishment because he's an, he's a complete, you know, nightmare. He's a bit of a nutter. He's a nutter. He's a total nightmare. Um, but he's also brilliant. And As most nutters seem to be. Same character here. Um, the If you remember from the, the movies and the comic strips, the female supporting cast were a little bit to one side. Yes. In this, they're much, much more front and centre and they have much oh, more cool. to do so and they're going to apparently Dynamite have said that they're going to ex- expand on that as going forward as well that's interesting I like that very much but King's Watch is about the defenders of the earth hmm. so though though there is a decent supporting cast and they're building up the, the, these are the heroes that they've been handed to to work with so it's rather I've kind of evaded one or two plot points simply because you need to read them and it's so, much more balanced than it used to be. Are we talking way. volume one here? It is definitely... Well, mm, interesting. It's an interesting thing, because what Dynamite have done is... King's Watch is the first book. King's Watch is one complete story uh, about King's about the King's Watch, which is a place. And it's it, it's one story that introduces all of these characters. It's a standalone book. You don't need anything else, and you don't need to, to follow the rest of the series. They've also done a Ming comic book called Merciless. You know how you got Wicked? Yes. Merciless. I love it. Uh, Merciless is equally fun. Uh, They they did that before. It it came out about last year. So they've they've been doing these prequely things for a while now. So so you have Merciless. So you understand what's going on with that particular character. And they've built up this world. So I think the idea is that it's supposed to be entirely modular. Like DC or Marvel Comics. Dynamite have, Dynamite have used these core characters to create a to create a world that you can plug into. So King's Watch is kind of it's kind of like your first Avengers book, mm. and it's 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 trying to get you into you know it's trying to get you. <laughs> oh, no, there's a total thing called the Little Avengers, but we'll 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 talk about that in a different show. Ooh. But yeah, no, it's great, it's fun. Um, if you're a nostalgia junkie and you remember the Defenders of the Earth, then go for it. Uh, if you're not a nostalgia junkie and you have no idea what I'm talking about and you don't know who Flash Gordon is, it's a superhero book with mid to mid powered superheroes uh, in a slightly gritty setting and with aliens that get punched. Yay. So, yay! And it's, you know, it's just fun. So, um, yeah. Fantastic. And that's on Dynamite Comic Books. Coming up now, we have an interview. Uh, they were completely lovely. Hello, Kelly Armstrong, and welcome to the Bookworm. Hello, thank you. So, can you tell for those of of those of our listeners who have not heard of you or don't know your work, can you tell everyone a bit about yourself, please? Okay, I live in uh, Ontario, Canada. I have written many books. Um, my uh, first novel was that was a bitten came out in 2001. That was the first in the other world series. I've also written a straight up mystery trilogy, the uh, Nadia Stafford books, um, which are about an ex cop turned hit woman. I also have some teen paranormal uh, books, the uh, Darkest Rising and Darkest Powers trilogies. And my latest thing is that I am writing what what I call modern modern gothic a series called the Canesville and the first book in that is Omens. Can you tell us a little bit about your Overworld series? To, to, let's, you've got a massive body of work. Let's start with the beginning and the, the Overworld series. Yeah, so 
So the other world, like I said, started with Bitten, and that was about the world's only female female werewolf. In my form of the folklore, it is mostly past through the male male line, and it is very rare for anyone to survive a bite. So there are very few bitten werewolves, meaning that the chances of there being a female are very, very small. So that was bitten. This series then spun into other types of supernaturals. Uh, I did witches, and I did necromancers, and I did half-demons, and I did ghosts, and it was one massive universe with changing narrators. So it would go off to a different character and then it would spin back to some of the old ones. That was back in 2001. 2001, um, yes. And since then, urban fantasy, the last 14 years, urban fantasy has become this, this massive, uh, massive phenomenon in publishing. Um, it has. How has it been from, you know, from being there at the very beginning or pretty much the, you know, the beginning of modern urban fantasy? How how has that felt? What's it been like? It was a very interesting experience because certainly um, back then it was it was a, it was tough to get somebody to buy a book about werewolves that was not horror. Um, there were some urban fantasy coming out, but you were really dealing more with vampires. Um, so I can even remember when we were doing a, a UK sale. The first UK publisher who was who was interested went and and looked at the sales of the last um, werewolf book and said no. I mean, obviously werewolves just nobody could sell them. So when I started, it was a slow start. It was convincing people that werewolves didn't mean this was a horror novel. It it was actually fantasy adventure thriller. Um, so slow start, but there were others doing similar similar things. You had Laurel K. Hamilton had a few books out, and then Jim Butcher came out of the year before Bitten, and Charlene Harris, whose books the True Blood series are based on, her first book also came out the same year as Bitten. So you slowly got this build, but in in the beginning, nobody knew what to call these. The urban fantasy genre itself seems to um, have a lot of strong female characters and interesting female characters in it. Why is that? Yeah, it was a very interesting evolution because certainly when you look at things like horror or fantasy, which would be the you know, predecessors of it, they were often male, male-led and often male-written. And it seemed like what really propelled this genre early on was the fact that these were often action books, thriller thriller books with a main character who was female. Now maybe you know some of that could have come from Buffy. We had Buffy the Vampire Slayer just before that and people then, you know, it became possible to, you know, consider a woman who had these powers and could go out and kick some supernatural butt. So when these books started, they picked up because of that. I mean, you do have some, like Jim Butcher, who are writing from the male point of view, but it was interesting to see that it very quickly skewed towards female main characters from female writers. How much of a shift was it from going from books like Bitten to books like the Darkest Power series? Yeah, the biggest change with the Darkest Power series is that it is teenage main characters. I actually wrote it because my daughter got to be about 12, 13, and wanted to read Bitten. 
And I said, not yet. Um, and I said, let me write you something that's more for your age. So I wrote The Summoning, which is actually set in the same world as the other, the other world. So that meant I could reuse all of my world, world building. I just put it in a different corner so you weren't having characters cross over. Um, and then focused on making the same sort of thing, but with teenage main characters. So the biggest problem was worrying, of, of course, whether I could write books from the point of view of a 15-year-old. Elena is my age. Um, most of my adult characters are in some age range close to mine or that I passed not too long ago, but going back and writing from the point of view of a 15-year-old girl was the scariest part. What challenges do you face when you're writing for young adults? Writing for a young adult, I think actually one of the biggest challenges early, early on was coming to understand that these books were meant for teenagers and that teenagers are not children. In other words, there was a real tendency to think, do I need to dumb it down? Do I need to lower my vocabulary? Do I need to make the stories less complex, the characters less 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 complex, um, the stories less dark? Um, what can't I do? And that meant going out and reading YA, and at the time, reading it and uh, realizing that these uh, these books were just as as complex as the adult books I was uh, reading, and really the only difference was writing f- from the point of view of a teenage character. And I think the biggest mistake I could have uh, made would have been to attempt to uh, dumb dumb them down, because by the time a reader is 15, 16, they have they are a fully formed reader in so many ways, and it's very different than writing for, say, 12-year-olds. The Nadia Stafford books are also very different, again. Um, again, what is the, the shift there? What was the appeal to writing about an ex-cop and that sort of thing? What was, what was the appeal for you? Why did you write them in the first place? And what did you discover when writing them? I actually wrote the uh, Nadia books. The uh, first one I started because urban fantasy took a while to uh, catch on and Bitten and Stolen, the uh, second book, were a tough uh, sell and they did not sell as well as the publisher had hoped. And I was, I had finished the third book and I was worrying that, that nobody was ever going, going to buy a third book and my career was over before it really started. Um, so my agent said, if you weren't writing super, super, supernatural, what would you be uh, writing? I said, mysteries, thrillers, that's my second love. Um, so we talked and came up with the Nadia books because I like that type of heroine. Um, I like somebody who, who, who is, who has a dark, dangerous, uh, side, a predatory side. Um, so that's why I started those. And then the urban fantasy took off. My, my uh, third book sold. My fourth book is sold. So I continued writing those. And then my agent said, around 2005, 2006, hey, do you want to finish that thriller? And, and I did. So I, so I went back and uh, wrote that. Mm-hmm. Biggest challenge with writing those is not having the supernatural. Um, because using the supernatural gives you more leeway. Uh, I can, can I remember there is a scene at the end of the first one, Exit Strategy, where I had to blow up a house. And I said to my husband, I need to blow up a house. How can I do it? 
And he said, is this for the paranormal books? And I said, no. And he said, well, that makes it tougher. Because obviously, if I'm writing paranormal, I can do spells, I can do rituals, I can do magic powers. Having to actually go and figure everything out was both challenging and fun. With the success of the both the thriller and the urban fantasy, has that given you more flexibility to go into the projects that you want? It definitely has. I mean, I have been really lucky. I mean, I beca- I started in a genre as it was taking taking off, so I was able to sort of ride the wave up on that. And then YA, same thing. I started as Twilight was hitting its big you know bubble. So I rode the wave up on, up on that and it kind of gave me the you know, ability to then for future projects say I want to do this and, and encountering far less resistance from my publishers than I would expect. So Omens is what is a, what I call modern, modern gothic. It's much lighter on supernatural. So it's things like Omens, Portents, Second Sight, Welsh, Welsh folklore. Um, and much heavier on mystery. And my new YA novel is not contemporary paranormal fantasy, but I switched and did a cross between high fantasy and horror, which I could not have written, you know, five, six years years, years ago because it, it's a little different, but I've really been lucky to hit the point where my publishers say, sure, we'll give that a shot. There's two great questions I want to ask, and two, two, I'll break it down. Firstly, what is the appeal of Welsh myth for stories? <laughs> for me, it was I kind of stumbled on Welsh myth because I was doing, uh, I was, I was researching Celtic folklore, and I was planning on doing a more broader British Celtic folklore for uh, the Canesville series, and I started started finding that everything I was pulling out was Welsh. And I said, okay, let me look further into Welsh. So digging digging deeper into that and pulling out some of that folklore was really a lot of fun for me. It was just, it was something about certain myths there that really appealed, uh, appealed to me and, for, and have the good fortune that at least North and North, North America, we don't see a lot of that in our fantasy um, novels. So it was something that I don't have to worry quite as much about treading on other people's toes the way now doing, you know, werewolves. There are tons of werewolves out there. So it's nice to, to be able to do something a little different. Did you take the plunge and read the My Beyond? No, I have not yet. <laughs> um, and also, can you just tell us about Sea of Shadows? So uh, Sea Shadows is the high fantasy horror horror cross. Um, it is high fantasy, but based on instead of being like Game of Game of Thrones, where it's based on a medieval Europe, that is based on a on a medieval Japan. Um, the idea, the initial idea for it, came from Japan's Sea of Sea of Trees at the foot of Mount Fuji, which is the second highest suicide spot in the uh, world, and I was fascinated by seeing online videos of volunteers who would go into this dense, dense, dead forest. Nothing lives in here, no, uh, no fauna. And they would go in to try to find the bodies of suicide victims um, to give their families peace. 
And that really, I, I, I thought, how terrifying would that, would that be? And yet, what a great thing to do for people that you don't even know. So I kind of took that and it sparked an, an idea. And of course, being YA and being high fantasy, I'm not doing suicide. I'm doing that it's a forest of you know, convicts um, that have been exiled and die in this dead forest. And my young protagonist has to go in and put their spirits to rest before they rise up, like in a you know Japanese horror horror film. Um, and of course, the first time she does it, things go horribly, horribly wrong. A lot of your work does deal with the afterlife and you know, your, the darker side of things. What's the appeal for that? Is there you know where does that come from? Yeah, uh, certainly I am fascinated by things like ghosts. Um, spirits. Uh, I get uh, I get asked a lot. Do I believe in ghosts? And I always say I'm a reluctant skeptic. I am that person who loves ghost stories. Will go on haunted walks. Um, will research everything. I've never seen anything that convinces me, but I'm fascinated, and I would love to be convinced. Um, so it's just something about it that I will go into a city and I'll take their haunted haunted you know walk because I want more ghost stories. So I use that somewhat in my other world series. I have necromancers, which are able to communicate with and raise the dead. Use it more in my teen series because my main character is 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 one because I couldn't think of a worse power to give to a 15-year-old year old girl. Turning into a wolf or casting spells would be cool. Being able to, you know, be bothered by ghosts and accidentally raise the dead, not cool. So that's why I, why I chose that that one. And I've also dealt more with ghosts in the other world in Haunted, where the Mina, Mina character is actually a ghost. When I sort of put together my own version of the afterlife. What would you say your greatest source of inspiration is? Greatest source of inspiration is, you know, everything, really. I mean, of course, you know, anything supernatural, folklore, myth, I grew up just glomming on to that stuff. I was in the, you know, library pulling down every reference book on folklore, myth. Um, but beyond that, just anything will inspire me. It was like for Sea of, Sh- sea of, sea of Shadows. It was somebody saying to me, have, have you ever heard of the Sea of Trees? I researched it, and then I got into the videos, and it just starts sparking ideas. Uh, and and I, I can find that with anything of interest, I will suddenly start having you know, ideas of what if. What if in, instead of happening like that, it happened like this? If you were stuck on a desert island, and you only had a single book for company, and let's assume that you have everything you need on the island to survive, what would your desert island book be? My Desert Island book uh, would be uh, Richard Adams' Watership Down. That is a that is the book that I have read the most times. I read it first when I was probably about twelve, and at, and at that age I was reading it as an interesting fantasy story. It was about rabbits. It was good fantasy. Read it again later in my teens and started started seeing more deeply into it, political, socio sociological. I think it was the book that proved to me that fantasy could work on so many different levels and that it wasn't just for children. And two very silly questions to finish off, if you don't mind. Okay. Simpsons or Futurama? Pardon? Simpsons or Futurama? I can't. 
quite catch that. Simpsons or Futurama? Oh, Simpsons, definitely. And finally, truth or beauty? Truth. (laughs) (laughs) I'm always going to go for for truth. Kelly Armstrong, thank you very much for coming on the show. Great, thank you. And enjoy the interview. Welcome back. This is the Book Warm on Fab Radio International. I'm Nympha Hayes. I'm here with my lovely, lovely co-host. Hello, it's me, Ed Fortune. Yay, it's you. I thought some aliens are taking you away, Flash. I mean, Ed. Uh, (laughs) So, complete change of pace, because we have a bit of a random show today. I was looking at doing some form of graphic novel or comic, um, but as always, I kind of looked at my bookshelf this morning and decided I wanted to do something completely different. So from space aliens and mid-powered um, superheroes, um, I'm going to talk to you about Hex Hole by Rachel Hawkins, which is a young adult paranormal story. Cool. It's very cool. So, the story. Um, Sophie Mercer, 16-year-old, um, and she's she's sort of known that she's a bit of a freak and weird and, and particular since she was 12 when when she accidentally cast this storm in, in sort of a, like a donut shape and stuff started happening around her. So it's been a bit of a, of a let's move around, people are talking about you with her mum, school from school, until at 16 she kind of ruins her prom. And people start pointing at her and calling her a witch. At which point, um, Sophie's mum sits her down and goes, um, you know how everyone calls you a witch? They're not, a, they're not wrong. <laughs> Um, I still haven't got over the idea of a donut storm. I, I know it's not a donut storm. <laughs> donut storm. Oh, <laughs> it's not a storm made of donuts. It's it's a storm in the shape, in the round shape of a donut. You know how it happens when you cast a spell and sometimes over you the, 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 the sky and the clouds start to twirl and all of a sudden there's a massive kind of round stormy thing on top of you. It happens to me all the time when I cast spells. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so what happens after the prom thing, um, Sophie's mum is kind of pushed towards sending Sophie um, to a, a, a school, a special school for special people. Um, the school is called Hecate Hall, but she, it's, it's, it's known as Hex Hall. Hall. Um, and it's a school for young prodigium, which is the PC term for um, basically witches, werewolves, vampires, fairies, anything that is not exactly human. Um, so it, it, it's, it's actually a, 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 a rehab school for, for prodigium children that have strayed a little bit and maybe endangered prodigium society uh, by showing people that there are things that go bump in the night and there are people with special kind of powers so she enters Hecate Hall which looks pretty depressing and 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 pretty hard and 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 you know as you can expect she's the new girl in the school all sorts of people seem to be either interested or or really peeved off that there's someone new in the school and by the end of the first day um she basically managed to um peeved off the three queens of the school, uh, get a crash on the bad boy of the school, and 
um, end up sharing the room with the most hated person in the school, who happens to be a lovely vampire girl called Jana, the Ooh. only vampire girl in the whole school. Because even, you know, within Prodigium Society, um, there are um, sort of um, better Prodigium and Prodigium that are sort of like look, looked upon with fear and disgust. Vampires tend to be in that l- latter category. But vampires are cool. Um, yeah, no. Oh. Not, not so much. Jenna's very cool, though, and so is Sophie. So, basically, um, this is the setup. Um, there's a fantastic plot running through with a lot of little minor plots. Um, if you, the way I like to look at it is basically Mean Girls, the movie with Lindsay Lohan from you know a few years back with loads of magic. That sounds like a great pitch, actually. It's actually a lot of fun. It's really well written, and it's a trilogy of books. So Hex Hole is the first one, then you've got. Um, um, another two books um, that follow uh, that are just as good and lately there's been a spin-off um, series with some of the characters from the cast of the Hexhold trilogy taking a life of their own um, which I've got the first book at home um, I think it's called School Spirits um, so I, I will probably be reading that pretty soon because I really enjoyed this trilogy uh, really really lots of fun really well written i love the way that the different um sort of supernatural creatures have been approached uh, i love the fairies um and but I, I do love the witches and there is a massive plot that sort of develops throughout the three books um if you are someone that likes young adult definitely pick this up because it's one of the best series out there i think um and yes there is a big love story no there isn't a triangle in the first book it does develop into some sort of triangle in the second and third book however it's actually done pretty well so it's not obnoxious and oh god not another i have two boys that love me whatever will i do it's it's actually not that simple Um, and i did like what what the author rachel hawkins did with it um i do love it i do love the 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 tagline as well it's which is which is vampires magic welcome to freak high (laughs) Um, very very cool book so if you're into young adult absolutely pick it up it's published by Simon and Schuster it's out there in fact you can get the full trilogy straight away because you will not be disappointed and you will want to read them all like one after the other because the plot is just that engaging cool that sounds really really fun I have seen the the kind of the supernatural high concept done a few times yeah Um, and I think I can't remember the name of the book but I did read one a, a little while ago a couple of years ago now where it was it was one of those books where the main character, bless her, the main character was a spoiled valley girl. Mm-hmm. And, uh, oh, woe is me, and now have supernatural powers and can see ghosts. Wow, well, so not only are you a, an intelligent, privileged, extremely wealthy and extremely attractive um, valley girl, but now you have superpowers, and I'm supposed to care. <laughs> it's very strange. I, um, I, I don't think I've read that. No, no. Uh, I, I've blocked it from my memory. But Hexhole sounds really good. Sounds like a lot of fun. Um, shall we? Um, shall we? Shall we go to the next segment where we talk nonsense? Yeah, let's talk nonsense. So welcome back. Um, if you have just tuned in, you're listening to FabRadioInternational.com. My name is Ed Fortune. I'm here with my host, 
I'm here with my host. I, I, am I your host? No, I'm the host. Yeah, we're both hosts. <laughs> I now have a really weird image of 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 uh, me with Ed's brain transplanted because ah! I am Ed's host. <laughs> I, I wouldn't get out of the bath. Um, <laughs> Co-host, co-host name for Hayes, yes. Hello, so yes, you can find us on social media, you can find us on anything forward slash Radio Bookworm, pretty much. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, uh, Mixcloud for if you want to listen to us again or if you missed the show and want to catch up. And we're also on iTunes, please subscribe. Yay, um, please rate us. Um, and you all know. of that. Yes. So, yes, so we've we've had a mixed bag, really, because we, we've talked we about have. Supernatural High Schools and we've talked about uh, Defenders of the Earth. Uh, yeah. so there's it, not, it's, there's it's, not a common line there. Actually, there is, you know, kind of superpowers. Superpowers and entourage cast, yeah, uh, casts that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, mm. A bit, a bit. Radio bookworm, a word-seeking um, radio, oh, radio show. Radio show, bringing you a mixed variety of things to it's get very your teeth mixed into. Variety. It's almost like <laughs> we've done a very quick pre-record, so we can keep you all satisfied while we're. <laughs> Literally. Well, we go and interview interesting people and, and have a look at in, interesting new books and get offered random manuscripts. But obviously, <laughs> you listener, you're, you're the most interesting person to us and you should contact us via social media. And, you should tell us. You tell, should tell us how us. interesting you are. Yeah. So, <laughs> yes. Do. Anyway, getting on to an actual theme uh, before we run out of time. Um, superhero teams, actually, it's one of those weird things that it's very hard to get the balance right. I think it was, with, again, Buffy the Vampire Slayer is another example of a superhero team. Yeah. Um, I think superheroes can come in various guises, you know. A witch, there's loads of witches that are considered superheroes out there. It's an on, it's more an entourage cast of remarkable people. Mm. And I think, you know, the, the term hero gets a little bit too overused because, you know, hero does not necessarily mean heroic. In the, certainly in the case of Kingswatch, they're, they're all like hero heroes and they all have hero powers and they do hero things. Um, but Zarkov is technically one of the team and he's like totally just ah, running away, being shot at, <laughs> running away. Uh, which is Xander's job as well in Buffy. Pretty much, pretty much actually. Yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't, it, it looks about right. Um, I'm sorry, I'm a bit freaked out because on, on the, we now have a webcam in the studio and all I can see. Um, um, on on producer Al it was for a second just my shoulder and 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 it was a bit weird. See the problem with that, of course, is this is a pre-record, so you won't actually, we don't actually record the, the webcam. So you saying hello to the webcam. Hello, webcam. So I feel like I'm in Big Brother now. <laughs> what what even a horrendous totalitarian nightmare? Where, um, yeah, totally. Don't you know me? Where, 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 where <laughs> Ask my truth husband. Is slavery, freedom is slavery. Yeah. Tr- truth is... That's uh, how I run my hi- household. Oh, right. Oh, okay. <laughs> the little cameras everywhere. You, can't, you can never turn down the television. God, that's such a... 1984 is such a depressing book. <laughs> oh, I love it to pieces. Uh, again, we should do a dystopian show. We kind of have in the past done a few oh, dystopian we've, we've shows. Oh, we've done a few things. In fact... Um, you know, don't let they, they don't let me more. don't let me do tonight in eighty four. Not seriously, because you've I, wanted to for so long. Though. Yes, but I, I love it and I hate it in equal measure. And I will just be very sad down the radio. <laughs> we have completely wasted our time. <laughs> Surprisingly, it's never time wasted. As long as we're talking about books, we're on the brief. So, um, uh, so uh, yes, so uh, I think we're, we're going to have wave to say goodbye. I think we are. Boo-hoo. So. So 
So goodbye, lovely listener. You've been listening to the Radio Bookworm. I've been your host, Ed Fortune. And goodbye from me, Nympha Hayes. The Bookworm is a truly outrageous production for Fab Radio International and Starburst magazine. Presented by Ed Fortune and Nympha Hayes. Produced by A.L. Johnson. <laughs>